Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Sellis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about, so pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Terry Eisner. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Terry. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Hey, everybody. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Terry Eisner. If you don't know Terry, his philosophical approach to business is just that, a philosophy. He helps preserve brand equity by helping firms adapt to these changing times, and boy, are they a-changing, and by sharing their unique stories and creative ways across multiple channels, including print, digital, and social media. Terry... Welcome to the show. Hi, Brooke. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm really excited to have you. And I think this is just a really great topic because I think as entrepreneurs, sometimes we take our well-being for granted. Very much. So really excited to talk about how to protect that well-being and just be better at, at taking care of ourselves, right? Yes. So first questions first, what made you jump into this crazy world of entrepreneurship and agency ownership? It was a gift, I'll have to say. I worked for an agency that was self-owned for several years and the owner died, unfortunately. And the position that I was in, in addition to my business partners, we were set up to be the managing partners of the agency and then offered to buy our agency, which we did. So the three of us have been here close to, if not more than 20 years. The agency's been in practice for about 45 years. That's amazing. And tell everybody what kind of clients you serve. Sure. So when I say that we've been practicing for about 45 years, 45 years ago, the Supreme Court allowed lawyers and law firms to begin marketing themselves. And that's when we were formed. So we'd like to say that we wrote the book on marketing and PR for law firms and lawyers, and that we continue to write new chapters each and every year. Very cool. And it seems like that would be a challenging industry. I have a few attorneys in my family. <laughs> they're, they're challenging people. <laughs> you know that they are. They're extremely creative also. And when you can kind of get past the pragmatic black and white rulings, of everything, you really find some unique people. And the other part, this was a blank slate if you think about it. This is an industry that was never given an opportunity to shine a light on what they do or who they were as an individual or what they stood for. And you remember there was all these lawyer jokes and stuff going on. So when I entered, there were two factors. One, 
I'm a creative director and I'm thinking, oh my God, all the other art directors and creative directors are going to think, wow, what a loser. You're going into this weird industry of marketing lawyers and not cars and all these cool, sexy things. But it was a blank slate and it was a really great opportunity to really change an industry and the way the industry thinks about things, especially those things like business development and marketing. Well, I want to start our conversation with something today that's a little self-serving, which is the importance of breaks, right? I was just having this conversation with my husband last night, like what we have to put in the calendar now, what we're going to do this year, because if we don't do it, we're not going to take that break. So why do you believe taking well-being breaks, whether it be a vacation or literally just some time to yourself, is essential for agency owners, especially in a high-pressure industry like yours? The thing is that we have to recognize that marketing, advertising, budgets, and dollars spent is really this high-level frustration, aggravation, intensity, and it's really projected on us a lot because you're really working with clients that are questioning what you're doing, questioning hours, questioning dollars. And you take a lot of that on, but you're also in a family, in an agency situation, where you're responsible for your employees and your business partners, your your colleagues. And that puts another added pressure on you. So you've got pressures to perform and then you've got pressures to lead and be empathetic and to create a dynamic of a family. And then, as we all know, within a family, they have their dynamics and you're in a position in which you need to to manage that. And then there's the social and cultural issues that are all out there and they come raining down on us. So I appreciate the fact of identifying the idea that there's a great deal of pressure in our fun little marketing advertising world that we live in. And agency owners really do take a lot of that on their shoulders. And I think it's important for us to recognize that we're human beings. And human beings, like anything else in the world, if it doesn't get recharged, it doesn't work. And for you or for us to be a leader that is operating on low battery level, uh, low energy level, low passion and emotion level, What are you really bringing to the table at that point as a leader? Yeah, such a great point. What do you say to the agency owner who's never taken a real break? You know, what are the first steps that they should start looking at to prepare for one? So I would say there's a couple of things keeping you from it. One, you're not putting trust in your team. Therefore, you're not going anywhere. So you're going to have to really allow yourself to trust in the family and the team that you've created. Why did you create them? And if you don't have trust in that, then ideally you should adjust and fix that. Again, like the idea of a battery, if we're not recharged, we're not operating with our our full power and intensity. So if you think about it from the leader's perspective, there's a lot of fear of why you don't want to take a break. And you put a lot on you that says why you can't take a break. And that's when we have to kind of call BS here. And I like to remind people that well-being starts with the individual. And so I would always say, you need to put your oxygen mask on first, just like if you're on an airline and they tell you, put your oxygen mask on before you help your children or whoever else is with you. And once we've put our oxygen mask on, now we are capable to help, capable to help others. And a leadership role is exactly like that. How can you help anybody else if you have not taken care of yourself first? And in many cases, in the leadership role, 
you're not taking care of yourself. Lack of sleep, bad eating, not going to a gym, not spending time with your family, and not giving yourself a chance to actually grow. Taking a break and traveling allows your brain, your emotions, your passions to grow. And when they grow, greater ideas come, more innovation comes, more empathy comes. And I think those are really key factors. So important. And I love that you touched on trusting your team. So like, let's dive into that a little bit. How do you, again, we're going with the agency owner who's like, oh, I just, I really can't pull myself away. And maybe it's because they don't trust their team. So how do you help that person? Or what would you say your advice is for that person who needs to understand how to manage delegation and in the same vein or maybe before, you know, build trust with the team so that they can ensure that things run smoothly when they're absent? Well, trust is interesting because it affects everybody and it affects everything in very different ways. So once you are creating a culture in which people feel they're not trusted, they're micromanaged. Well, you're now stifling their ability to also grow, to be an innovator, to ask what if, because they're afraid to. So you're putting restrictions on people by that level of micromanagement and the inability to trust in those that are around you. You have to also trust in failure. You have to believe that failure leads to greater success. And as a human being, we need failure to learn. We need failure to grow. So you have to be comfortable with failure. You know, that's the other part of that. And I think that the bottom line when it comes to delegation is you delegate where you know you have that level of success and trust and you begin right there and you release yourself and you step back and you say, the universe now, the trust in who I have in my team will guide us successfully through our processes, through our procedure, through our culture, and through my leadership. All of that should stay in place whether you're present or not. We're a virtual-based firm, and we've been a virtual-based firm for 35 years. So there's no hovering from me. There's no walking by and accountability that you're at your desk. It's always based on trust. So one of the things from my perspective is the culture and the foundation of my agency has to be based on trust. But I also can reverse the idea of that trust and the idea that it's in your hands now. So you, the way that I'm compensating you is based on your contribution. That contribution is based on just simple billable hour. If you don't have the discipline to be at your desk, if you don't have the discipline to execute the projects or scope of work that's in front of you, then you're destroying the trust that I have that you have those disciplines to succeed. So it's it's very quite interesting the way that trust affects both sides of the table. And I think that's one that and curiosity are two really important things I think leaders have to really build. One, be very curious and become engaged with your people because you will find that you can trust them more when they're trusting and opening up with you. And so that balance starts to happen. So if you're not curious, if you're just dictating and leading from afar based on a business model that we're still stuck under that was designed in the 80s and 90s, you know, which is about accountability, automation, replaceable, these kind of things, you're not going to allow yourself to trust, but you're not going to allow your team to also trust in the process to succeed. 
Yeah, I love that you you kind of set that up for me. Let's talk about setting boundaries because a lot of times I feel like, again, we're, we're remote like you. So we've been, I thought we were cool for being remote for 12 years, but you have us beat times three. But let's say like someone goes on, on the team, goes on vacation. We want them to be out of the office, right? We're trusting that they've set up the things that they need to with those processes and other team members, just like you talked about, to be out and not be in while they're away. However, there comes that verify part of trust, right? Where you're trusting that they're going to do it. But then when you go and verify, something didn't get done. What's your advice there? Like they're out, they're supposed to be out. You don't want to bother them, but they didn't hold up their end of the bargain on the trust and setting up the things that needed to be set up while they were away. What would your advice be to an agency owner who has a team member who might do that to them? To solve that problem for me, it was to create depth. And so when I, as an agency owner, only had one individual that filled a silo or a slot and they were gone, you had a gap and you had exactly that problem. What if the ball was dropped before you left? What happens when something that happened 60 days ago decides to get addressed and you're not here? And so I think the most important thing is, one, have depth, have a team dynamic. To me, it's critical to have a team dynamic. The more people that know or in the know, the easier it is for me to trust that we can solve this problem. So therefore, it's not a problem that's going to create a dynamic. It's a situation or an opportunity for us to step up. And the only way I've signed success is that I have more people involved in that team dynamic. So there's more communication, there's more accessibility. When that is not there, if I have an individual that holds everything way too close to them, that is set up for that exact level of failure. I think one of the thing to think about from a leader's perspective in allowing themselves time off is do it in a way that you're comfortable. I'm very comfortable with my work and life combining. And I'm very comfortable saying boundaries, my time, and this is why. And I think it's important to know that for me, I love travel. My husband and I travel all the time. It's a learning experience for me. It's an opportunity for me to get out and experience people. I'm a cancer. I love to be at home and my little <laughs> crab and my shell. I loved, you know, when it was uh, the lockdown for COVID, I'm like, yay, I don't have to go out and talk to people. I love it. But it forces me to do that. But what I also is I allow myself to be connected. I don't want to come home to a bunch of emails. So I allow myself to be accessible to a certain point. No phone calls, no meetings. I'll answer Teams messages, I'll answer a text message, and I'll check emails. But that's also because I want to take those anxieties off of me. They're not because I don't trust in anybody. It's because we're in a team dynamic, and therefore I want to be available. Now, for my people, I would say you have that as a choice. You can go take your daughter to the doctor's office, and you can choose to work from the lobby and you don't have stress and nobody has stress of, of a missing person. You can choose to do that on your vacation. You can choose not to do that. These are options that I allow because I can enjoy my vacation more when I know everything's okay, yeah. but I don't need to know everything's okay to enjoy myself. So there's a balance. It's a choice that I make, but I set up in a way that I was able to operate and be away. And I encourage others that they can be away more. That work-life balance, you can have so much more of it if you're willing to allow boundaries to 
interlace it just a little bit. Yeah, I love that you kind of gave the viewpoint on both sides. And what I heard you say was like, I can't tell you how to work, Terry. You only know how Terry works. My preference is that you, when you are out, you have set it up so that we don't have to bug you because I know how much I would love to walk away and not have to be bugged. But my standards can't be Terry's standards, right? You want something different than I want. And it's not fair for me to tell you how to work. You know, Brooke, you, you just led that to something I wanted to make sure I told you and, and our listeners today. And that is, as leaders, we hopefully will lead from our hearts, right? We'll hopefully lead from this place where we just want success from our clients and our people. Like, I like to wake up in the morning and say, I like to wake up every day so I can help somebody, help somebody create something that will help somebody's life. Yay, that's what I want to do every day. So think about what you do as a leader, and then think about what your team sees and then the anxiety they get because they think they have to operate the same way and you never ever ever intended that so you love to work you love to socialize you love to travel for business you love to write you'd love to solve problems and it for you you can be working until 11 12 o'clock at night and it does not affect you because it's what makes you happy and you send those emails out your team now thinks they should work longer your team now thinks they should answer that email. Even when you said, don't answer that till Monday, I say don't send it at all until Monday. But the thing is, we have to make sure that we're more transparent and we communicate that there are certain things I do that I hope you see that I do that empower you to have less anxieties, to feel empowered to do other things, to bring ideas to the table, to collaborate more. But sometimes I'm going to do things that you're going to assume is what I expect from you. And the leader never expected that, but they never articulated that. But we are set up to have to read in between the lines and make assumptions about expectations that sometimes aren't there. And that's a great deal of anxiety that your team holds on their shoulders that you never knew as a leader you were actually creating. Yeah, I've seen that so many times. So I know with my own eyes and heart and feelings of all that that's so true. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. What about feeling guilty? So at the end of 2021, I kind of had like a, a burnout 
a breakup, you know, with my myself and my passion for what I do. And I knew I was in a bad space. I knew I needed to, you know, to kind of pull back and, and recoup and rest a little bit, but I felt guilty, right? Because everybody, especially for the past three years, we're, we've all been going through, you know, COVID and, you know, economic factors and, blah, you know, all this stuff's been like a mess. I feel like everything's just been a mess for so many years now. So I feel really guilty sometimes when I need to step, not even want to step away, but but need to step away. So how do you talk to people like me who feel guilty sometimes about putting my well-being first. So there's there's two things I want. I'm going to address that, but I also want to tell you a story that I think everybody will really appreciate in this discussion that again happened in 2021, exactly like you, that, that kind of breaking point. But the, the part of the feeling guilty is to go back to, remember what I said, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. You're no good to your team. You're no good to your clients. You're no good to your bottom line if you have not allowed yourself to be fixed, to be rested, to be recharged. So you're no good to anybody else. So right then and there, it's not about guilt. So it's really about caring about my team, about understanding what my job is here. And therefore, as a leader, I shouldn't be expected to come every single day feeling super good. But I should be able to come every day to recognize I'm a person and I, too, need to be in a good space and the right space so I can collaborate or innovate, whatever it is that you're expecting of me, or simply lead or talk you off the ledge, whatever that might be. I can't be expected to do that every day. I'm a human being also. So remove the idea of guilt to think of it more so if I better myself. I can be better for others. And to me, that's where you can eliminate the guilt. Now, the story to tie that, that in is you know, never in my life would I have thought that I would have done what I did. Never, never, ever, ever. I would have never been brought up this way as a business leader. I was the co-chair of the Legal Marketing Association's Wellbeing Initiative and Committee. So it was really a big kind of topic for me to be focused on, on the understanding of well-being in the industry as a whole. And so I'm focusing on understanding uh, more. Uh, again, I'm a cancer, so I'm very empathetic uh, to a fault. And so we're coming, we're in COVID. I'm you know, worried about my work family. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about myself. I'm doing everything right, every single thing right. And I get COVID. And so I'm dealing with the pressures of these extra families. I'm dealing with my three kids. I'm dealing with sick parents. I'm dealing with fears. I'm dealing with loans that we're getting. I'm dealing with all of these things. And I'm really focused highly. And I get it. I lose my taste buds and I lose my smell. And I'm now going into panic mode and I'm really upset and I'm dealing with family stuff. And I just was at a point where I said, you're incapable of helping anybody at the moment, but yet you're still expected. So I sat back and um, I always get choked up when I say this too. And I wrote a letter, you know, to my team. And I told them, you know, I'm not good and it's okay not to be good, but I need to check out of the game. And I said, I'm going to step away for about 10 days. Don't contact me. Nothing. My husband and I both then tested negative and got on the plane the next day. And we flew down to Florida into the Keys and we found this little place and we hid 
for 10 days. And we reconnected and we recharged. And I came back and everybody was so on my side. Everybody was so happy that I had taken care of myself. But it wasn't that. It was the thank yous that flooded in from everybody because I gave them the opportunity to check in with themselves. And randomly, a few of them said, I can't do this. I need a break too. And so I created a culture and a dynamic instantly, instantly, by being so transparent that the trust that I got from my people, the love that I got from my people, but not only that, I empowered them to look out for themselves or their families first and foremost. And they knew from that point on that that would never be an issue. That would never be anything that I would not take for granted in any way to be able to support them to do the same. But I had to be vulnerable. I had to be transparent. I had to allow myself as a leader to show weakness. And it just gave me greater strength as a leader than I think I could have ever imagined having in that position. And I highly recommend to anybody, if you are at that point, take a break, but be transparent and help others understand that's the culture that you're creating. And I believe that changed the dynamic of my agency from that day moving forward. And the way that we collaborate, the way that we communicate, I began to tear down every silo that exists and said everything leads to each other. And that's my 2021 story. And that's how I use my own well-being to bring an agency even closer. Oh, I wish I would have written a letter. That was so beautiful. And I'm like, gosh, I should have done that because I always talking about how important it is for leaders to be vulnerable. That's the tenet of any basic relationship, even the work relationship, right? If I want you to be open with me, I have to be open with you. So I think that's such a beautiful story. And I also think it highlights the success that you had. So I was going to ask you, you know, what, is, what are some of the successes you've had with some of your breaks? I was going to say, like, was it relaxation or did you get more creative? But that story exemplifies not only how you had success, but everyone got to share in that success. That's why I wanted to share that with you all, because I think we can talk about tips and things that you know leaders should do. I can give you an example of the things you're absolutely afraid to do and show the results of that, you know, coming back. So, you know, when you ask about that travel part and what it does for me, and I give you that story, but I'm also the, the agency's creative director. And so I, you know, constantly looking for extremely unique ways to communicate. I'm a big believer in the collaboration of generations. We have most business people, uh, leaders in the legal industry, you know, are still the boomer Gen X leadership, but yet we have five generations in the workforce. So how do you really cater to all of those different dynamics? And they are very different generational expectations, demands, use of technology, and all of those things. And I think as a leader, we lead up, we think of our rainmakers, and we think of our, you know, the older guard, and we kind of listen to them, and we market around them, and we spend budget dollars, and 
we do those things kind of from their mindset because they sit in these leadership roles. And when you do so, you're not being very empathetic to the younger generations, but you're also not being smart in my mind to understanding that they have a different means of, of business in the way that they, they operate in business, the younger generations and the way that they look at that. The older generations, you know, we were taught you go to a job, you stay at that job, you grow in that job, you grow in that job, you grow in that job. Younger generations are like, I've learned what I can from you, or you do not fit within my my life world. You do not fit within my culture and social thinking. And this is where I say to the leaders where you really need to adapt to change. You need to start understanding that even from a client perspective, if you're not understanding what keeps your client up at night, if you're not empathetic to your client's needs, if you're not empathetic to their boardroom conversations, then you're not helping your business at all because now the salesperson or the person that had the account relationship with an old guard, the old guard is retired. There's a new guard at that business, but you didn't make those adjustments. And there's a lot of oil and water sometimes between generations. And I bring that back to the idea of those things we're talking about, because we're talking about creating emotional relationships with your clients, creating emotional relationships with your team. And if you don't do that across the boards, you're really losing opportunities and contacts with all of your people. So I think an important part is to really, again, go back to that idea of curiosity and adapt. Yeah. It sounds like you're almost saying that one of the benefits of taking a break, a mental health day, whatever, a vacation, whatever it may be, not only helps with creativity and, and productivity, but it also helps with empathy, I guess, if you're an empathetic person. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now, that's an interesting part, if you're an empathetic person, but not just empathy, connection, right? If I allow myself to get out of my bubble and I go experience some other bubbles, well, they're going to start to change my mind or I'm going to start to make my own decisions or I'm going to experience things or I'm going to see things and hear things. And when you think of ourselves from marketing and advertising, words matter. So if you're not speaking languages that are receptive or that resonate, and those are buzzwords, those are slang, those are all kinds of things in which we need to be in touch with, you're creating solutions that are outdated, right? Or you're dictating and driving solutions that are outdated because you're not, again, trusting in your team, you're not giving them voices, you're not allowing for these opportunities for them to grow. But all of this, Brooke, goes back to an individual's well-being. Think of those emails that you write in all caps. Think of the amount of work that somebody did on a project and sent it to you, and your response is, I'll get to it when I can. Okay, so we have to think about how those comments, those actions, you meant nothing by it. You're just really busy and it's okay. I'm the boss. I can just send that to you. But man, you just wrecked someone's world. You know, they've put their whole self into that. and You didn't appreciate that from their perspective. Now, so again, what we perceive, what is real, that's why transparency matters. So that's why you should take a minute and say, Thank you. I know you spent a lot of time on this. I want to give it just as much time as you did. Unfortunately, I'm in this situation. So if you don't hear from me until Thursday, I need some time to review this. 
wow, big different answer. Yeah. Um, Huge difference. And I love, too, that you said by Thursday. So you're not like leaving them hanging, even though it's a nice note. You're like, hey, I'm leaving you hanging for now. But by Thursday, you should hear from me again, because I'm like one of those curious, like worrier, overthinker type people. So if you just left me hanging, I'd be like, is it going to be today? Today? How about today? But you said Thursday. So I can put that overthinking piece aside and overthink other things (laughs) that are in front of me. That's exactly right. You know, a lot of that is understanding your, when I go back to curiosity, understanding how your team works. Not all of us work the same way. So a minute ago, you said, if you have empathy, I'm big in the zodiacs and stars and things like that. So I know I'm an empathetic person. It comes with my zodiac sign. So what about the leaders that aren't, right? You're not going to be beat up by this. But what it does say is an emotional connection, an understanding. The ability to be vulnerable, the ability to sit back and say, I need to take care of myself so I can continue to lead at the level that's expected from me. These are the things you need to do. You don't have to have all of those other elements to succeed, but you have to challenge the business model in which you were put in, probably that of this industrial revolution that we were led by and realize that we're in a human revolution now. So how do I put people first to increase profits, not put profits first to get rid of people? Big difference. People over profits. I get behind that. Not everybody does. I get it, but I totally get behind that. So let's say someone's listening in right now and maybe they just haven't taken a break ever, or maybe it's just been a while. I'll raise my hand and admit to everyone listening and watching Alex and I have not been on a vacation, a real vacation since 2019. So I need to take this advice. Maybe you're talking to me. But if somebody hasn't taken this break in a while, or maybe they've never taken a break, what top piece of advice would you give this agency owner for planning this first or significant well-being break? List why you're going to do it, right? List where you are. And a lot of times where we are is we've reached this plateau and everything's fine. Everything's fine. But why should everything be fine? Like I said, we need to adapt to change. If you didn't adapt after 2020, you're not relevant today as a business owner. So one, you need to adapt. How do you adapt? You have to get out of your bubble in order to adapt. Number two, how I have multiple generations now. And what's happening is I'm stuck in the middle between the arguments of the different generations, their needs, expectations. I don't have children. I don't have any other means of measuring communication and expectations. So if I go out of my bubble, I have that opportunity to experience firsthand. Again, extremely important. How do we grow if, we are, if we're not experiencing these things? And from a creative level, I just did a trip to Barcelona and went to go see all of these incredible designs and incredible churches and just these really amazingly designed, beautiful things. And it changed the way that I thought so much about space, about why businesses have their offices designed a certain way. So how could I change the way in which I think about workflow and collaboration and innovation? 
And how do I eliminate the corner office? And how do we create hallways that are filled with innovation so the time I get to the collaboration station, I'm just filled with ideas? As opposed to the box in which I've put everybody in or which, again, a culture and a business model has put us all in. When you're in that box, you're safe. When you're in that box, you're comfortable. When you get out of that box, you start to see these really incredible opportunities and you see the world differently. And you go back and you take some of that back with you and you make some changes. And you start to see that those changes really improve collaboration, communication, innovation, and all of a sudden profit growth or whatever. You go on another trip and you see a different culture and the way that it operates together and its levels of trust. And you begin to believe that and you start to practice that. How are you going to do that in the box in which we live in today and we call home and we think is operating just fine? So I highly recommend you do it because I feel as if your clients and your people expect you to come to the table with the next level, the next idea, the next way in which you all are advancing as a business and or you're encouraging them to advance within the business. And how could you do that if you're just stuck in that box? You can't. Well, it's funny that you say that. So I'm like looking at your space behind you, which, by the way, I was kind of geeking out before we came into the actual recording of the show in the green room. And I was like, oh, my God, I love your wall behind you. And I see Batwoman over there. And I'm thinking about the time when I was 29. I'm totally going to date myself here. And we did a superhero, supervillain pub crawl for my birthday. And it was one of the best times I've ever had in my life. And that was so creative, right? Like I was like, I don't want to have another birthday where we just go to the bar and whatever. Like, let's dress up. Let's go from bar to bar. Let's do this fun thing. Like, yeah, sometimes we put that side away, I think, because we're trying to fit into all these like norms and definitions and be the people we're supposed to be when really the people we are supposed to be are in there somewhere. You know, I'm. When I speak, Brooke, I go and I put on my suit and I get on a stage and I have to give my hour speech. But I have a slide that I start off with, which is basically like a paper doll. And, and I said, this is not me in this suit, by the way. This is me. And I'll point up and it'll have Mickey Mouse ears on, sunglasses. One arm is fully tattooed. The other arm has a paintbrush in it. One has a business sleeve. One leg has swim fins on, scuba diver, R2-D2 is right next to me. And I'm like, this is me. And if we're going to talk about empathy, if we're going to talk about allowing one's whole self to come to work, you all should get to know me more so. And I realized that that was in a really important way for people to understand exactly what you just said. How do I empower others to let that out? And the reason why that's so important is because think about it. If we go to work and we conform, we fit into this box, something isn't coming into the box with us because there isn't room. Or there's something, other things in the box that might be not unable to handle all the energy I'm about to bring into this box. So we're stifled, right? Yeah. And we're stifled by culture and we're stifled by all these things. 
But what if I free that stifle? What if I free all of that? What if I'm like, say, there is no box? So therefore, there's no expectation or no boundary. What comes to work now? What can I do with this, right? It's like, I've got this new power, it's in my hand. And it's a much greater power than I had to work with because I freed up this containment. Well, us as leaders are exactly in that same level of containment. So if my mind can be freed, if I could be opened up and smile from somebody that educated me in a way they didn't, where I could see color in a different way, and, and I can take that back and go, I have a situation where what I just witnessed, I can apply to this and I could change the way people think. And that's exactly what I do when I travel. I think of how can I bring this back and how can I tell you a story that will get you to better move that dial where I need it to be as opposed to lecturing you. And so traveling, getting out of this box creates an opportunity for my agency to kind of be not constrained in any way by boundaries and borders. So therefore, profit and innovation and collaboration are greater than I've ever seen them. Yeah. For all of you sci-fi nerds who are listening, I see you. But I would just say, like, there is no spoon, right? It reminds me of the Matrix. Like, there is no spoon. And until you can understand what that means, you can't become Neo. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Matrix, go watch it. <laughs> That's that's exactly right. Or there is a spoon, but you have to create it yourself. Yeah. And that's a whole dynamic in its own. Empower yourself to manifest and create those things. It will not happen operating the way that you're operating today until you release yourself. I'm going to tell you, your team is going to love a release to you as a leader. They might be shocked at first. What's going on here? But when they know that you trust them enough to be you, you have given them the golden Wonka ticket right then and there. Because you said, I trust you so much to see me. Then you say, I'm going to let you see me. And that's when things start to happen. Ah. I love it. I love this whole conversation. It's been just lovely. I just love talking about this side of business, right? The vulnerable side. I'm sure other people will want to maybe talk to you about some of this as well. So tell everybody where can they find you? What are you working on? All the cool things so that other people can learn from your wisdom. Yeah, please. You can find more programs like this. You can find a lot of content on the subject of well-being and why it matters and how, as leaders, we need to take care of ourselves on our website, which is jaffepr.com, and that's J-A-F-F-E-P-R.com. But you can also find me on pretty much any social media at Sharing TMI. So Terry Martin Eisner is my name. I love it. And I was blessed with this amazing, you know, initials of TMI. And when social media came out, I was like, what do you do on social media? You share way too much information guess what my handle is going to be? So pretty much anywhere you can find me at Sharing TMI. Ah, love it so much. Thank you so much, Terry. This has been great. Everybody, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Brooke Sellis on Instagram and Twitter. And for fun, make sure you tag at SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows the Social Media Marketing Podcast, and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week. 
as we explore the adventures of marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.